Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that enables CSMs to manage customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about things like customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hare, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of The Success League. For over 15 years, I've been a sales, marketing, and customer success executive, and my career has primarily focused on early and growth stage tech companies. My company, The Success League, works with companies of all sizes, both in software as a service and traditional industries. Joining me today on the podcast is Mark Pecoraro, a serial customer success executive and advisor. Last episode, Mark and I were having such a good conversation that we ran a little bit long. We decided to split that episode into two parts. So today we're picking back up from where our last conversation left off. Uh, Last time we talked about working with other teams as a CS leader, and today we're going to be getting into how to work with finance and other departments in the company, as well as some trends in the industry. Mark, let's talk about a team that you've mentioned a few times in the earlier part of this interview, uh, the finance team. So that can be a sticky team. Sometimes in certain companies, and I'm not saying every company, I think there's some great finance people out there, but... Uh, it can seem sometimes like the finance team's really lowest priority is the customer, or that to them, customers are just a series of dollar signs. So how should a customer success leader go about building a really strong relationship with their finance team or the finance leader, and how can that really benefit their team and then also the customers? All right. I would say this is the area I've had the biggest challenge personally, as Mm -hmm. well as the the most learning experience, if you will, Uh, because early on I did not pay attention to that relationship. So, you know, I guess I was a little bit guilty of not having the 100% sort of SaaS mentality. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's a cost to retention. Customer success has to be defined within a company as to what it is and what it isn't. And like Mm -hmm. I said, it's not just a shiny label you throw on any services, right? And so the CFO needs to understand and buy into that. I mean, I told you the story of the CFO says, why are we doing this? We should just do perpetual stuff. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, those sort of disconnects, hopefully you catch in the interview process if you're a CS leader, because those are things not easily altered. Mm -hmm. So I think having the common understanding of the metrics because at the end of the day they're you know they've got every single metric and they're reporting to the board you know so having a close relationship where you agree on the definitions of of churn and where we're at and what we're trying to do what is the investment into the cost of retention and there's lots of blogs and studies and we're not going to go into great depth of of the various things there but there has to be that common understanding if you just think of it as though it's that customer support stuff that we just want to do as little as possible you know so it's i think it's a two-way sort of reporting so the benefits of them you know if if a customer success team 
is doing their job well and having an impact, right. you know, one of the big benefits is a better understanding of the renewal forecast and why. Less surprises, mm-hmm. right? And, and um, you know, you, when there are issues, you can plan in advance and put that as part of it, right? So it helps in their kind of predictability and understanding the numbers. And you need their buy-in to create a financial structure you know, that, that's scalable. And I made, you know, I made all of our information transparent in mm-hmm. my perspective, you know, everybody should be able to, to see what's going on and see, see the health uh, of the customer. So, you know, regular reporting, I did regular reporting back to the whole exec team. Yeah. Right. So I think part, that's really important. Um, because they don't want to, or, or need to log into all these different applications and, and so forth. So I, every Monday would take it and put it all together. Kind of boil it down to the core. Yeah, and very graphical, metrics. right? Because yeah. so many of us have, you know, yeah. a very short attention span, and pretty pictures can tell a, a thousand words. Is you know what is the health radar screen? So we have, a, you know, here's the hundred percent pie of our customers. How is that broken down into to various, you know, health and okay. why? Yeah. Right. And then when there are customers that are not healthy, well, what are the root systemic sort of reasons? And I think helping the CEO see that and not just see you as a tab on a spreadsheet, you know, they need context for it. And, you know, many CFOs have been in the SaaS world totally get it, but I've experienced some that totally don't. Yeah. And that's okay, but you have to, if, if you're at odds with the CFO, you're, you're in, it's not good. Yeah. It's, I mean, one of the things I tell all the new customer success leaders that I coach is, you know, learn Excel. Like if you if you didn't ever have to deal with spreadsheets before, now you do because you're gonna have to have a common language with the people in your finance team, and that language is spreadsheets. So yep. you need to get really comfy with that. Well, <laughs> well, and it's it's yeah, but the real outcome is the numbers. So for instance, yeah. I did a churn analysis at, at one point after uh, heels of a, a very bad quarter, and because we had a structured taxonomy of churn reasons, mm-hmm. we were able to take in buckets so we could understand where is this coming from? Not emotionally, but like why, right. what was the root systemic reason they left? And um, when we did the analysis, it turned out that, you know, 30%, I would call execution issues, mm-hmm. you know, customer success could have done better, support the salespeople, um, you know, in theory, we could have prevented it. So we'll take responsibility for it. 20% were things out of our control. Yeah. M&A, companies folded, executives moved on, and, you know, that stuff happens. But 50% was product. Okay. So what's interesting there is I can now provide data to my VP of product management to help justify his needs, which in turn service my needs for those product-related issues. So since it was kind of a big bucket of product, did you have sub-buckets then too so you could get kind of really drilled down on yeah. to the yeah. aspects of product? Yeah, I mean, at that okay. company, it was fairly simple. One piece of technology was not supporting current levels of iPhones and iPads and so oh, forth. So it. It, just, okay. it just went obsolete. Yeah. <laughs> it's not brain surgery. Okay. It's like, you know, if you don't keep up with that stuff. And so... So there it was pretty it literally, clear-cut. Yeah, literally customers okay. would come back and just say, well, if you can't support all this new stuff, you know, I still yeah. love you, but I'm taking this off the plate. Yeah. And so, you know, those were downgrades. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean customer went away. So I didn't consider it a churn customer, but it was definitely a renewal that didn't get to par. Yeah. Right? 
And so, yeah, we did get granular. The other thing we did, and it was part of my regular reporting, is we did implement MPS in product. And we had a really robust system where we could actually slice and dice the data. And one of the things I was able to do is just very easily slice and dice the promoters from the detractors. And for those who had comments, so it's one thing for you to Mm -hmm. say, okay, I think you're seven. Mm-hmm. It, with no comments. But a lot of folks will say, you know, I'll give you uh, an eight and mm-hmm. and make comments. You know, support's really good, but something mm-hmm. else didn't work and so forth. So we would tag all that stuff. So I could literally just go through the NPS and create on-the-fly reports that were up-to-date in terms of customer input. Okay. That would flag and bucket reasons. Um, so what we learned was we had a really good UI. Yeah. A lot, a lot of our positive comments talked about support. Our support team was really good, and they loved the UI and all the real-time data at their mm-hmm. fingertips. On the lower end, for the detractors, we were able to see that because it was a big data analytics play, there was a lot of complexities in the data accuracy mm-hmm. and, and how to analyze and crunch the data. And those were the areas where customers really had a difficult time getting the value out of the product. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, then when you go back and then you look at the churn and the reasons, you know, it, it kind of correlates. Yeah. Maybe not exactly, but, you know, if you stand back and look at where the wind's blowing, it's kind of in the same direction and it gives you a sense of investment that's needed from the customer perspective. And one last comment regarding the CFO and how it relates to um, the customer success and some challenges I found is, you know, they don't understand the technology that's coming out. So that's another big piece of education that needs to happen. It's like, well, I've never had a customer success automation platform. You know, right. why, why do I need that? You know, and having to justify. and um, We already have Salesforce. Yeah, we have why Salesforce. We, um, why would we need this thing? But, yeah. you know, the technology landscape I find really interesting. And, you know, every solution kind of has its sort of niche in the world and, right. and there's not one that fits everyone and so some of my struggles were in you know justifying the technology but in the end you know it's very similar if you just go back to the early days of support and the automation of you know logging cases you know when I first went to Sybase and was a tech support engineer literally customers called in and someone would take down a name and say uh-huh. Fred has a problem and they'd run around and they'd say Kristen has free time, go call this thing. And so out of that came this automation. And now, you know, everybody knows you need a customer success or a customer support solution, whether it's embedded in Salesforce or Zendesk. You know, it's an accepted thing. A CFO is not going to say, no, you don't need that. But customer success is like, well, why do you need that? We're not quite there yet. Yeah. We're not quite there yet. And there's all kinds of... So I had one solution that did NPS and some usage analysis against the NPS, But then I had a completely separate application that was focused on CSM uh, logging their workflow and their interactions. So Uh what was happening between the CSM and the customer, uh, you know, wasn't just stuff buried in email and in their head. It was actually, you know, know, I had a meeting and this is what happened and these are the next steps. And then there was health associated with it. And that health we used to say, you know, 
where things at, where are problems. So how did you pitch that to your CFO when you were trying to get that solution? I think it was just walking through. So certainly there's an efficiency level. Right. I mean, it's no different than the support thing. I mean, yeah. we can, can all be wrestling through email trying to figure out what we said and committed to and what our tasks are, or we can be really well organized. And the second part is the transparency. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked about sharing information with the VP of product management and the VP of sales and how much they like that. So it wasn't just transparency for me. It was transparency for the whole exec team, yeah. including him, Yeah. right? Because if he knows there's XYZ renewal coming next quarter yeah. and I provide a report that says XYZ is red, yeah. right, um, he wouldn't have known that, right, until, you know, otherwise... You know, in the old days, he would just find out at the end when the salesperson has to justify why we didn't get the renewal, right? And right. so that transparency kind of works two ways. So yeah. I was successful in getting all this implemented and, and, and sharing it. But, you know, because this is a new discipline and because mm-hmm. these technologies are new and, you know, they're not all the same. Mm-hmm. You know, they each have strengths and weaknesses. And I really believe, ideally... You need a 360-degree view of the customer. I envision this cockpit that has mm-hmm. all the tools, all the levers, all the graphs, everything to see that customer and any issues that are going on so you can address them appropriately, hopefully in a proactive sort, sort of form, uh, to help the customer you know, along. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of interesting stuff out there. You know, we talked about predictive analytics and all yeah. the great stuff Strike Deck does. Um, there's in-app messaging where you can actually be talking to your customers real time. So there's in-app functionality where, you know, you can put logic behind, you know, if you don't log in for a week or there's a new feature, you know, you get little boxes and arrows saying, hey, try yeah. this new report. So there's, you know, it's it's an education. Right. And, and so every company has a different level of experience kind of in SaaS. Not everybody's been in SaaS forever. Not everybody's mm-hmm. been customer success forever. And especially the CFOs I've found, you know, need kind of the most education. So make that an important relationship. Have those ongoing dialogues. They really need to be be close with you. Well, and I think talk to them in their language, which is data and numbers. You know, you if it. you can kind of go to them and say, you know, here's the solution I want. This is how it's going to save us money here, save us time there, and really quantify that. I think that helps you pitch it to that group. Absolutely. And, you know, all these technologies help provide that data, mm-hmm. right? And so um, you can, you know, talk facts and figures. And and when you do the churn analysis, you know, you get to the root. I mean, you, yeah. you lose a customer, you lose money, and the question is why? And, and, you know, if we can prevent it, what are we doing about it? Right. And that's, you know, if it's an execution issue, that's customer success and, and, and sales. Um, you know, but oftentimes there are other things that, you know, I've seen situations where you just can't, throw customer success bodies at products that don't work well. Right. Right. And most companies don't have endless money to fund every group to the extent they want. So then you, you know, here we go back to the CEO. Yeah. Now the tough decisions need to get made as to where resources sort of go. So you're right. As much data as you can provide about the customers, their health, all that good stuff informs, you know, the CEO, the CFO. Okay. Yeah, so we've talked sales, we've talked product, we've talked finance. Those are kind of the big ones that my clients run into. What What are some of the other teams that you think it's really important for the success team to have a great relationship with, and how do you think they should be working with those other groups? 
One is sales operations. Okay. Right? So I created... In my last gig, I created kind of a back-end group to customer success. So, you know, customer success people are... So, like, success operations? Yes. Kind of? uh, yeah. We called it customer success enablement. Okay, Because what, what I inherited was a bunch of great people out in the field doing their best uh-huh. to help the customer. But okay. what I saw was they were reinventing the wheel. Uh-huh. And, you know... If they were asked to do a QBR, they'd come to you and say, Kristen, didn't you do a QBR four months ago? And can I use that template and what worked and what didn't? So we needed to put a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, structure around that. So we created this back-end group that was responsible for standardizing our product. What is that onboarding process? You know, what is that welcome thing? What is the training that the CSMs need? So they were that, like, interface point to the back office. So they were the ones that would collect the input from the field and be represented at a product meeting. They're the ones who would be doing the feature request prioritization, right? Because it's really tough for you to have responsibility to oversee X customers and have all these back office responsibilities. It's really tough to merge those things. Mm -hmm. So we created a dedicated function there. And that function really fit hand in hand, you know, with sales operations because it it starts with understanding who your customer is. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's always been Salesforce as the master customer record. Mm-hmm. Who are they? Where are they? Would they buy? How much? When's the renewal? You know, what are the products they own? That is the master customer record. So um, having that data be clean is vitally important. And then interfacing with that system with all these other client success things that are coming up are key. And so sales ops on the on kind of the technology and data accuracy side was super critical for me. Okay. Right? So that would be one. And the other one, which I mentioned previously, is is really the support okay. know, function. And in my experience and opinion, you know, customer support is a vital piece of customer success as an organization. Mm-hmm. Not many times have I seen it separated, but I think it's just a fundamental underpinning that has to work really well. And part of the transparency around sharing the field activities with support is they now can answer the phone and talk to customers who are calling in cases with a little more context. Right. So, you know, Fred calls in with a problem and right there on the screen, he could see Fred's company's in orange, you know, they're orange and he can see, you know, there's tons of outstanding bugs. So you can tell in that thing. Mm -hmm. And so now you can talk to that customer a little bit more in context because you know what's going on. You're not just, it's just not a case in a transaction. It's still reactive, but it's really informed reactive. It's it's informed. It's in in context. It's in context. It's not just another widget that came through the front door that needs needs to be answered. And so that helps to create once again, a more personalized experience. Hey, I understand you're, you're you've got a lot on the plate, and you're you're working with Mark and his team. Yeah, and blah, blah, blah. you know, and, and and it's kind of back to your point when we talked about the onboarding. You know, people don't want to repeat themselves. Like, no. why do you not? You you know, you're at you're at the company. How come you don't That's know all stuff? That's the worst experience. I think everyone has had that experience where you call into a phone center somewhere and and you tell your story to the person. They're like, oh well, I'm not the right person, and then they transfer you, and you have to tell your story five times to get to the right person. It's so annoying. And, you know, I think everybody's trying to prevent that from happening, but unfortunately there's still a lot of that that goes on. Yeah. Well, the support team is important when it comes to, I believe you really need to have some level of early warning system in place, you know, monitoring usage data, monitoring Mm -hmm. tickets, um, 
in an ideal world, part of your cockpit is that warning sign saying, hey, mm -hmm. we're kind of violating some of these parameters, and that's kind of a precursor to other yeah. things happening. Um, and the other thing which you don't want to have happen a lot, but I think is, is important, is having an escalation process. Right. Right? Uh, because stuff happens, and yeah. things, you don't know when that bomb's going to come through the front door, and it could be really expensive to handle an es an escalation in a in a very fragmented way you know massive email blasts and everybody talking yeah. over everybody and who owns what and what's going back to the customer so having a really crisp escalation process is also key cuz you know especially in 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 these complex systems in the business world you're just going to have those mm -hmm. so it should just be a core competency that you know when these things infrequently happen we know how to handle it who's the owner how to communicate um and you know if you have a good early warning system you minimize that yeah but you should never that's your 911 you know, yeah you should never get rid of that so i would say those are the two other departments that you know have been really key okay. i think in supporting my effort okay great well just to kind of wrap up on this topic if you were a new customer success leader um, what approach would you take to building relationships with the other leaders in your company I, you know, I think two, two things. I think really getting clarity and understanding on you know, what is customer success. Um, anytime I get called by a company or a recruiter and they talk about it, I stop them right there and say, uh -huh. what are we talking about? Yeah. What are we what talking about? What does this about? mean to you? Um, you know, yeah. I wrote a blog recently on my LinkedIn profile called, you know, customer support is not customer success. I you should yeah. know that. Um, <laughs> I recently talked to a company that was doing the exact same thing and yeah. said, have, have a great day. Um, yeah. So understanding and having a common view of, of what the function is and what the measurements are going to be is key because uh -huh. then, then we're all operating off, off the same page and you know understanding where the retention or renewal challenges are from the past because the mm -hmm. CFO should have all of that um, and, and trying to have an understanding of what the goals are moving forward. And then I think a lot's back to what we've already talked about in creating, you know, creating those relationships and, and don't look at customer success as this little silo that's just operating off on its own. And think of it, you know, kind of in that uh, two layer I talked about where, you know, yes, it's an organization. Yes, it has a leader. Yes, it has people that do stuff and own customers. Um, but there's this level above it that goes across the organization. And so I think CS leaders, you know, can't just operate down in that silo. You have to raise it up, use the data, mm -hmm. use the, the information, you know, use the health scores and the graphics uh, to communicate widely and realize that you, know, you can't be successful without these other players. You know, it really is a team. You cannot win the game of customer success in, in a silo, and it's not an individual sport. It's not, and I think one of the things that earns customer success a seat at the table is having that relationship across the organization with other leaders, and that really elevates the customer success function, and it can be um, something that, you know, is sort of a, a good PR move for the customer success group to really be, you know, treating, like you said, treating data as, you know, public property and sharing all the information about what you're doing, I think, can be terrific for you know, making sure that customers are served because you've got that seat at the table. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's, you know, through trial and tribulation, 
that's, you know, with the roots of my yeah. now point of view of why that's important, <laughs> yeah. right? Because without that support at the top, it's really tough to have everything else fall in place because you really do need the, the whole company needs to be on the same page. Yeah. So last question, and this is something that I ask all of the guests on, on this podcast. What do you see as the biggest trend right now in customer success and why? I think I'm seeing more activity in the profession than I've ever seen. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really, it's almost like hit a hockey stick. And, you know, I think it's just out of necessity. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot more SaaS companies with a recurring revenue model. And it's not, um, it's just becoming an industry standard. It's not, um, I'm talking to a lot of companies who are just putting in customer success. Yeah. And they don't know exactly, they know they need it. Right. They understand that there's this thing that's kind of brewing up that's really important to help customers be successful you know because for a CEO at the end of the day it's you know those numbers mm-hmm. are, are, are key and and oftentimes it's you know can be board pressure as well right I mean I've talked to VCs who have said you know we won't fund a company that doesn't have a retention strategy you know which roughly equates to some customer success right you know um, sort of capability so I think the amount of customer success jobs is just overwhelming you know, if you go to the Customer Success Association on LinkedIn, I don't know what the actual numbers are, but it's just astounding how that has grown. Mm-hmm. And it, just the amount of customer success manager jobs, it's not just SaaS companies in Silicon Valley anymore. No. It's, it's companies uh, in healthcare and entertainment, and it's gone far beyond just being, you know, this thing that kind of evolved out of, you know, the, the high-tech world um, of Silicon Valley. I think for the companies who do do have some customer success capability, um, most of them have some supporting technology, mm-hmm. which is which is kind of neat. There's a lot of great new things that are coming out. You know, some of them, frankly, are features. They're not going to be companies, and others right. are pretty big solutions that could be really instrumental in helping helping uh, companies out. So. You know, lots of new leads, lots of activity. So I think what's exciting is we're kind of at this inflection point where, you know, people are starting to understand and it's it's beginning to solidify. You know, it's it's not there. Um, when you talk about, you know, support or technical publications, everybody knows what that is. Customer success isn't there yet. But the level of activity, both at the VC level, at exec level, you know, hiring technology, I think is all indicative of... Um, you know, people recognizing that this is a vital piece of a SaaS machine, mm-hmm. right? It's not, um, it's kind of not optional. It's, it's, right. it's going a little bit away from the shiny object to, you know, this is for real, Yeah. right? This is for real. And you've got the gorillas who have done great, great stuff, you know, success factors and, and Salesforce and I knew Zurora and, you know, there's some companies that have really, um, dedicated themselves to customer success and and their success shows it yeah right it makes people wake up and pay attention i think yeah so i just in general to it's it's an exciting time you know i think uh, i think i see a ton of professionals that want to learn and network i talked about the customer success uh meetups um yeah i'd encourage everybody to take to take a look at those uh on the meetup you know Mm -hmm. website lots of great speakers sharing best practices, war stories. Um, I've even been invited to some invite-only fireside chats with VCs. Uh-huh. And, 
you know, they're, they're recognizing and they have a perspective and a point of view of how this should fit in to the business model and, and a lot right. to share. So I think this, um, this collaboration, this networking, it's happening all the way from the funding level down to down to the individuals. I mean, I have people who reach out on LinkedIn that I don't know um, who want to connect and have questions and want to get involved, and um, it's really cool. It's a pretty exciting it, time. It, it's fun, and, and you know, I, I love. Um, you know, I do some work with some companies, you know, coaching and mentoring new leaders mm-hmm. and helping them understand this stuff. I mean, if you have to go through all the trials and tribulations I've gone through to, to gain, you know, my experience, mm-hmm. you're going to spend a long time and it's going to yeah. be very painful. So, uh, I really enjoy at least sharing my experience. I don't present it as it's right or wrong. Right. It's just Mark's journey yeah. and it's what I've learned. And, um, you know, people I know love the stories cause it's the, you know, it's stories are tangible ways of saying, Hey, this is what worked and what didn't work. And I love you know, recycling that to new leaders. And there's a lot of that going on. Mm-hmm. One of the things uh, is CEOs are wrestling with is, you know, do I promote this individual who's been with the company for five years and he or she is just mm-hmm. awesome, but they're from a completely different discipline. Right. And they don't have, you know, the experience and service and support and so forth. But, you know, they're now in this new position with this new promoted title. And they're saying, you know, now what? Yeah. Right. Another thing that I see in, you know, our, our business is a lot of new leader coaching as well in this area. It's become a big part of our business. And what we're seeing is there's a lot of, especially in the startup community, a lot of CSMs who maybe were CSM number one in their organization. And they have leadership aspirations and they have some strengths mm-hmm. in that area. And they are promoted, but they don't have the broader vision of, of how you actually build your team and get it ready to scale and yeah. so um you know we're doing a lot of work in that area as well yeah no yeah. it's uh it's it's an exciting time and i think 2017 yeah. uh is going to be fast and furious in the world of customer success well mark thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and for sharing your experiences and customer success i'm sure that all of our listeners really appreciate your ideas for building relationships with other teams in order to achieve great outcomes for the customers. And I think that's what it's really all about. So thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you for having me. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io. And follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, please subscribe to Strike Deck Radio on iTunes or SoundCloud. And finally, thanks for listening to this podcast, and we hope you'll join us next time.